Welcome. Pull up a chair, fill your mug, get comfy, join us at the table for the most unusual tea party. Here's your host and graphologist, Teresa Abram. Welcome to Season 3 of A Most Unusual Tea Party where we use the letter T to unlock a person's story, giving us an unusual look into the mystery guests who join me at the table. I'm Teresa Abram, a handwriting analyst and graphologist, and if you are curious about decoding the messages of the subconscious mind, then pour yourself a mug of something yummy and join me at the table. This season of the podcast, I don't know my guests before they join me at the table. All I know is their name, what their handwriting looks like, and that my mug is on hand. But before I spill the tea on what I'm drinking, you're going to find out who our mystery guest is at the same time I do, and you're going to find out what their love language is. So without further ado, let's find out who our mystery guest is today. Well, thank you for joining me and welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this, Teresa. I am so excited to know more about you. I think that you probably know more about me than I know about you at this point. Well, at least on the surface level. I have a pretty good idea of what you're like as a human being, just based on your handwriting sample, but I have no idea what it is that you do. Oh my gracious. Well, I'm coming out of four careers and did a pivot during the ginormous pause and decided to podcast. So I, in June, did not know what a podcast was, and 1st of September launched one, and the podcast is around life and leadership, covering a whole gamut of things from human sustainability through to discovery to recovery around addictions, all the kind of things that leaders don't get to discuss very often. So I love what you're doing and was totally fascinated by this series. So thank you for including me. Oh, thank you for that. And also just thank you for being willing to do this and give it a whirl. So you said you didn't know anything about podcasting, but you pulled it all together in September 1st, you started. I heard my soul's call to do something. And I was sitting there in the pause thinking, well, I don't want to do what I've always done. And having one of those probably once or twice a decade, what do I want to be when I grow up? And thought, I love public speaking. I love research. I'm so curious. And I'm a stratospheric thinker. So, hey, what better medium than to go talk about things I love, talk with people about things we both love, and raise the threshold around vivid visionaries and living legends and life and leadership and more of a conscious journey. You know, that is one of the gifts that COVID has brought to a lot of people is just that chance to slow down and be conscious of what am I doing? How am I actually spending every day? Absolutely. Being a deep thinker and incredibly curious is just the medium for me. And the audience has reinforced that. So I'm not out there talking to just myself. I'm really grateful by the analytics encouraging me to continue to lean into what my soul's asking me to do and create a legacy, an enduring legacy. It's out there for perpetuity. So I'm very conscious about where do I put myself and what I do around this because our digital exhaust is, it's a legacy. Oh, digital exhaust. My goodness, Michelle, you have all sorts of interesting phrases. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize every time you post, comment, like, you are leaving your, your footprints in the sands of online. 
So consequently, people have said not so kind things, people have bullied and things like that. I really want to leave a wonderful footprints in the sands of time across the online space that are inspiring and encouraging. And all we can do is lead by example. We can't change anyone else. So true. I love it. And you know what? On that note, I think that is just a beautiful segue into the handwriting analysis. For me, the biggest part, always front and center of any analysis that I do, it's always about understanding somebody. As human beings, I think that's one of our deepest needs is to be understood and to be seen for who we are, not to be judged, but to be understood and to be seen. And I really feel like what you're talking about is you want to be conscious of that footprint you're leaving digitally because you want to be remembered and seen and you want to be contributing to the good. Absolutely. And we can be of in service and of service as opposed to not being in service and making a contribution. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see what we can do, what we can create together in the hopes that we're going to leave some beautiful legacy behind. So, Michelle. I, I don't even know where to begin with your sample. It is like this feast for a graphologist's eyes. There are so many different pieces here that are really unique and quite striking. But when I think back to the very first thing, when I first opened up this, this photo that you sent me of your writing, the first thing that struck me was your use of space on the page. So one thing that we have complete control over, and there are absolutely no writing rules or guidelines that we have to follow. And yet we're also really seldom conscious that we're doing it. The one thing that we have that total control over is how we set up our margins. Whether we have wide margins, whether we have narrow margins, whether we have no margins, that's something that we have complete control over. We're not taught any specific rule for that. So when I saw your sample, the first thing that jumped out at me is that you actually have very narrow margins. Your right-hand margin in particular, you wrote almost to the edge of the page. And that tells me something very specific about you. When I see somebody who uses up the page like that, where they're going to go from, you know, edge of page to edge of page, leaving a narrow margin, it tells me that you are somebody who actually likes to acquire things. And you may even be a collector of some sorts. Would you say that's true for you? That's interesting. I've just done a huge downsize, but that has left me with a storage unit. I treasure things that have treasured memories around them, but I don't collect for the sake of collecting. No, most collectors don't collect just for the sake of collecting. There's usually a memory or, or a meaning for them. And that's what you do. You will acquire things and you will have trouble letting it go. Yes. So we're going to take a look at your tea right now, Michelle. And the first thing about your tea that is quite striking is the fact that you often have a looped stem. We also look at when we see a looped tea stem, we're also going to look to see, does it appear in the D? Because if it appears in the D as well, it has a very specific meaning. And we can see when we look at your sample that the looped tea stem, that loop also appears in your D stem. And what it means is that you can be very sensitive to criticism. What would you say your experience is with that? If somebody says something and it's a little bit critical, do you find you're sensitive to that? That's a very interesting point that you raise. I've been thinking a lot about that during the pause. And I've discovered if it's unfair, then I'm extremely sensitive. So fairness is kind of my trigger. And it's a Kiwi thing, I think. 
Americans are more about freedom. <laughs> and those of us who've been colonized, thanks to the motherland, are very much around fairness. But if there's a criticism, if it's constructive, I'm interested to learn and involve. But if it's unfair or manipulative, I'm sensitive. So much will depend on the way that it is presented to you. Now, the other thing that is quite unique about your teas is you really have a variety of different styles. Uh, we have some teas where it is just a nice little wavy stem and your bar. We have some teas that have hooks on them. We have some teas where it starts below the line and goes up high with the crossing at the top. We have some teas that are tied where your tea stem and the tea bar are tied together. I think there's even one in here where I saw that you... On the word posted, you crossed the T-bar from right to left and swung it around into your E. So the T actually got crossed twice. So that's an interesting thing that you have so many different styles when it comes to your T. And it really does show that you are somebody who is going to be very adaptable. You're not a person that is going to have a habit and a routine that you stick to no, no matter what. Repetition is my enemy. Although I score off the charts for numeracy, I could never be an accountant. And the proof is in the pudding. I've done three degrees in three different schools. The first one was a law. I did my law degree. My second one was a master's in philanthropy. And my third one was a doctorate in leadership. So not even the same schools <laughs> and only twice at the same university. And that is exactly the story your tea says. It's like, we are going to be changing and moving and adapting to what's happening and going on in the moment and how you're feeling about it. And really the sky's the limit for you. Quite frequently, you have your tea bar is crossed high. It's at least three quarters up the stem. I like to see that in somebody's writing because it does show me that you have a good self-confidence and that you're setting goals for yourself that are a little bit of a challenge. It means you're still inspired and you're still, you know, hopeful in that a little bit of a dreamer where you're like, I, I can do this. And you set something that's a bit of a challenge and you're going to have to, you know, really sink your teeth into it to get there. Uh-huh. Take podcasting <laughs> out, of the, out of the lore and into podcasting. Yep. Exactly like that, where you see what you want to do and you're not necessarily even aware of all of the little steps to get there, but you know what you want to do and then you make it happen. Yes, it is a very steep learning curve. I thought the tech was going to tank me. And then I said, uh-uh, I'm going to get a tech team. Tick. What's a tech? T-E-C-H. Oh, tech. So I went and learned it all and said, oh, no, I'm meant to be the creative and the host. The tech needs to go to a team. Gotcha. Yep, that's right. Know your strengths. When I see, you know, healthy self-control or self-confidence, I know that you're able to let go of things. You don't have to be in control of every detail. Particularly the repetitive stuff. <laughs> Michelle, one of the things that you did do is you did try to deceive me in your handwriting. As instructed. So we're going to see. Now, this is something that I am still learning. There are some graphologists who have tons of experience and they can spot a lie from a mile away. That is not me. So I'm, I'm happy. I said about 60% where I can get it. I'm usually in the ballpark, not always entirely correct. We're going to give it a whirl and see which side of the lie I end up on. Now, when I looked at your writing, there is a lot of variety in it. So it makes it a little bit interesting to try to spot where you're deceiving me, because that's really what we're always looking for is to see a baseline. And then where do you deviate from that baseline? That's how we can tell something's going on in your brain. And for me, when I really started to look at it, what I found interesting was where you were writing chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. This is where the chronic, your H gets kind of funny 
and the R gets a little bit twisted and your O is slashed. Your I is also looped, which isn't totally out of the ordinary because you have done that other times, but it's also not standard. So I'm thinking here, you're telling me something perhaps that's not exactly the truth. When we get down here where you say 10 long years of seeking healing, doing the work, your A suddenly changes form. Prior to here, most of your A's, except for where you say daughter, most of your A's are done like a printing, like a, a typewriter A, where you have the top on it and then the bottom. And then suddenly you switch to this A with a line in the bottom of it. And then doing has a double loop. So that makes me think that your lie is going to be somewhere in here. Do you really have chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia? Has it really been 10 years? This is where I'm guessing something isn't quite right. That's very interesting because that's true. Is it? To give you your due, I am in excellent health except for fatigue and muscle pain. So it is an unexplained phenomena at this point, although I do work fairly long hours and it has been 10 years. You may be onto something because it's been unexplainable and I have done everything to try and resolve this. Or is it a lie? Have I done everything? I've actually still been working much too long hours. So I, it's true that I have it and that I have been diagnosed. I haven't been able to resolve it, but I've done everything I can. So you kind of ra now raise my antenna about having to go and think some more about this. That's interesting that you say that because when I see this in the word doing here, you've got actually a double loop where you have two loops inside of the O. And as soon as I see that, without even reading any of the context, it's something that I highlight in red because it's a, it's a warning sign. It shows me that there is perhaps some self-deception going on, something where maybe you're not wanting to look at it fully or realistically. So when you think of it in that perspective, and then you zoom out and you see what we're saying, and you just said it yourself, have you really done everything that you, you can? Because you are still working long hours. Have you really exhausted everything? Well, working the long hours means I am exhausted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. The lights have gone on for me around that. Be more mindful about how much work needs to be gotten done and how much time. But that wasn't actually your intended deception is what I'm hearing. No. <laughs> so the only other one that I, it could be, and I mentioned it briefly, is I said up here in daughter, your A is also a little bit wacky. And I wondered, is Contessa your daughter? She's my granddaughter. Ah, there we go. Granddaughter, not daughter. That was the other one because that A was really wacky too. And it's like, mm, I'm seeing a similarity here with these A's that are going strange. Well done. Well spotted. Thank you. Well, that was very interesting. And thank you for when I commented about that chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and, you know, doing all the work, how it did inspire you to think of that in another light. This is where criticism, right? If, if that was a fair point and uh, it's opened my mind to, well, I've just said it on air out loud. I'm working way too long hours. So thank you, accountability buddy. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think that's one of the beautiful things anytime you're working with anybody, but I know with handwriting analysis, sometimes it just allows people to see something that they hadn't seen. And we all have blinders. And sometimes just with a handwriting analysis, you can look at it through somebody else's eyes and say, actually, I can see where that's coming from. 
it's an eye opener because you know now I'm looking at the crossed O and the um, the line through the O and the uh, the chronic and the doing. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of a Freudian slip. And it is actually handwriting analysis is very much based on Freud's id, ego, and superego because we have upper zone, middle zone, and lower zone, and that's exactly what they relate to. A lot of our handwriting, it is done subconsciously, and that's what makes it so powerful is we don't even know that we're doing it, but it's our body's way of expressing it and saying, hey, we look at this, look at this, look at this. That's really interesting because I was looking, starting to look back at like childhood trauma and what else could be informing this issue because I'm having a physical impact, but I can't find a physical cause. So I'm being curious starting to consider the amygdala and what might needed to be unwound out of there. So this is a great way of like lining into my body with the chronic and the doing. Those two words really jumped out once you pointed those O's out. It was like, oh my gosh, message. Thank you. Before we get into your love language, Michelle, which I know that you're already familiar with, the one thing that I wanted to talk to you about was your F's. Because you have these lovely F's that are very graceful and fluid, That's the term that we use for them is that they're very fluid. And it means exactly that, that you are a very fluid thinker. You can easily move from one idea to the next. Certainly from my conversation with you, I think that has been shown hands down that you are a fluid thinker. Thank you. (laughs) You definitely have that ability to move from one topic to the next and integrate different pieces together. Well, that's really interesting. I finished a doctorate about five years ago, and I started the doctorate with writing a song. I'd never written a song before in my life, but I wrote a song, and I finished the doctorate with a fantastical graphic, and uh, yeah, and then clothed all my participants in cats, as in I went around photographing lots of felines because my doctorate was with global leaders and for an extra layer of confidentiality, I thought the corporate A team, C-A-T for cats, um, needed something extra. So I could not have started the doctorate without the music, which I suspect lines really lovely with neuromusicology. And I could not finish that doctorate because a pitch is worth a thousand or 120,000 words for me without creating the graphic. I had written everything, but it just couldn't make sense of it until I created a graphic. You're right on the money with the Fs. <laughs> that is really interesting. How fascinating to start it with a song and end it with pictures of cats. What an interesting progression to make there. It was very creative. I found it extremely difficult to contribute to the world's knowledge base without bringing in the music and the color and the images. For me, a picture was worth 120,000 words. As soon as I made all of my doctorate into into that one big graphic, then I could finally finish writing the doctorate. I could make sense of it after that, which probably won't make sense to a lot of people. It's okay though. You know, what's really interesting because what you're talking about there is this idea of, you know, you're pulling in different, different resources and different elements and things. And another part of your writing that's kind of interesting is that you have spaces in your words where you write and you have overall, it's very connected, but you do leave spaces between letters. And usually they're in reasonable places. Um, if I saw them in places that made no sense, then it would be a warning sign, but they are in reasonable places. They make sense to have them. And when I see those little pauses, 
like that, where you just kind of pause, have to stop and pick your pen up and put it down again. What that is, is it shows me somebody who's very intuitive. It's somebody that is like making space for guidance or random connections to occur. And it's one of the things if somebody said to me, I want to become more intuitive. I want to learn how to tap into my intuition. One of the strategies that we use is to consciously stop in a word, pick up your pen and then start the new letter because it allows that space and that pause, just like you were talking about 2020 being a pause. That's what you're doing in your writing is that pause to see what's next. Well, again, you're very accurate there. I'm more driven by intuition than intellect. I will listen to the quieter voice faster than I'll listen to the loud ones. So that's very interesting to see how it shows up in the writing sample. It's very clear. I mean, you do have the intellect, you do have the capability there because you do have the letters extending into the upper zone, but it's not the dominant feature. So it shows me that you're not an intellectual. You would not be happy simply doing intellectual pursuits. That's not going to float your boat at all. Absolutely. I chose to do my doctorate not to be an intellectual, but to set down a place of authority and speak truth to power and then move on to podcasting. <laughs> it may not make sense to everybody, but it doesn't have to. It only has to make sense to you. Let's take a look at this writing of yours in the context of love languages. Now, you have already taken your love language test, and I think you're quite familiar with them, correct? I am, but I took it ages ago. My mind's gone blank. <laughs> Okay. I really feel like depending on what stage of life you're at and what has happened, it will change for you. I, I think most specifically, like once you get children and you're constantly being touched by children, if physical touch is your primary love language, it actually tends to drop a little bit because you're kind of touched out from your child and you actually want something else from your partner. So I do feel that it does change slightly depending on what stage of life you're at. Now, when I looked at your handwriting, it's actually really close between two. On the one side, you do have larger letters, you do have that looped T stems, and we know that going margin to margin, it shows that you like to have, you know, acquire things. So I actually am going with receiving gifts because you have at least three word endings that extend, they reach out and slightly up. So you can see in the very last word here, pain, that N has a very graceful little swoop at the end of it. And that is a very distinctive trait. So when I look at that, combined with the fact that your slant, like we can have three different slants to writing, you can have a left-leaning slant, you can have a vertical, or you have a right-leaning, and your slant is basically vertical with a little bit to the left. You can see here very clearly on this T and yet where it's a little bit to the left, this H and T and the little bit to the left. And that is not something we're going to find in somebody who really wants words of affirmation because words of affirmation is very much dependent on the other person. It's very much wanting to appear accepted and you might even change something about yourself or what you're doing in order to be accepted by that person. So words of affirmation is really tied into connecting with another person. When we see a vertical or slightly leaning to the left slant, we know that's not as important to you. You're going to do your own thing. And if somebody doesn't like it, you might take that into consideration. But if you really want to do it, it's not going to stop you. Gosh, good point. 
if I really want to do it, no, nobody's going to stop me. If anything, I'm going to find a way or the way will be open. I, I think I agree with you in that your love language has changed because once you become an older woman, you somewhat become invisible. There's that invisibility factor. So people forget to say thank you. It's not unusual to be taken for granted, even if you go beyond and above. Receiving of gifts, now that is kind of fascinating because I'm really, I live quite humbly. I reinterpret your receiving gifts in terms of spirituality, gratitude, and appreciation. You're right on the money. Those things are very important to me that I do it. I give the gift of time. Time is a big one for me. I gift my time, my talent, my treasure. But if someone is giving me a gift of jewelry or a gift like, I I have no room in my life for baggage. But you've hit on it so bang on. A lot of people, when they hear the idea of receiving gifts, that's the first thing that they think is that it's this materialistic thing. And that's the furthest from the truth. Ah. Receiving gifts isn't about materialism. It isn't about, it has to be the most expensive. It has to be, it's, it's about receiving a token, whatever that may be, whether it's a wildflower or a dandelion, or it may be 12 hothouse roses. It may be that, but it's tied to something that evokes a memory. And if it's from the heart, like I'm a lazy girl. So if someone gave me hothouse roses, I'd be not so taken. But I really love the way that you put it, receiving gifts. Yeah, to me, gift of time when someone actually turns up, really wants to share their life and and experiences. But it really catches my attention when they actually say, what's up with you? What's exciting in your world? Because that doesn't happen too often. And also turning up and being real, you know, um, and engaging heart to heart. That is very special. Those are, those are like my top gifts. Okay. So when you say that, that actually plays more into quality time. When you're saying engaging in heart to heart, that would be a quality time sort of thing. Now, when we talk about gifts, you're right about the gift of presence is how Dr. Gary Chapman calls it. He says the gift of presence when somebody is there with you, where they're sharing and they're walking that journey with you. Absolutely. And that's the part. So there's a little bit of a difference there between that and having those real deep, meaningful conversations, those one-on-ones. The gift of time and someone who genuinely enjoys you, is that's immeasurable to me. Thank you so much, Michelle, for exploring that and, and talking about it. And I would really invite you just to look at that idea of the receiving of gifts. It is more about as long as it is reflective of who you are. That's the part, as long as you can say, yes, they see me for me and they're giving me a gift of genuineness. Absolutely. And I resonate with that all the way through. Quality time has always been a big one for me, but the receiving gifts is definitely something I could learn to be um, more appreciative around and you've been nicely pulling me up on it. Uh, Actually, several things just popped into my head there, Michelle. We'll talk about intuition. I I do it too. Um, And several things just popped into my head for that. I think it would be really interesting how do you receive gifts and does it make you feel more loved or does it not contribute? Like where does that make you feel? Well, in the last year, it has been a year of receiving gifts and I've felt very deep levels of appreciation and gratitude, but I will definitely do the test and send you the results. Yes, please. That would be awesome. Thank you. So as we wrap up, Michelle, 
I have four days off coming up, so I am celebrating. I do have a glass of Cabernet going. And how about you? What's in your mug tonight, Michelle? I have a yogi herb tea in my mug with some honey. Very nice. And what kind of yogi tea is it? It's the bedtime tea. I'm not quite sure what's in it. Well, I'm glad that it didn't put you to sleep, that you were able to stay awake. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, Teresa. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for listening. If you're wanting to hear more from Teresa and her guests, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice and follow her on Instagram at handwriting underscore PI. Hey, did you know that the best compliment you can give me is a referral to someone else? Please help spread the word about a most unusual tea party and my guest and share it with your network or someone who might find it interesting. If you enjoyed the show and want to know more about graphology and what Teresa is doing, be sure to head over to the website at www.handwritingpi.ca slash hashtag newsletter and subscribe to Handwriting PI's newsletter. You'll get early notice of future guests on the podcast. You'll see full samples of the handwriting and get more tips for analyzing handwriting on your own. And if you have it in your heart, leave a tip in the tip jar found at www.handwritingpi.ca. The Tea Party is professionally edited by the amazingly talented Casey Broda. If you would like to contact her or inquire about her services, look for at Casey Broda on Instagram. That's at C-A-S-E-Y-B-R-O-D-A. And finally, if you want to have an audio handwriting analysis done, like you hear here on the show, send us an email at handwritingpi at gmail.com asking for information about our AHA program. Thanks for listening.